His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stopping. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, Thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you this morning. It's a Sunday morning in Palmyra. And we're here to worship God, to lift up the name of Jesus, to cooperate and flow with the Holy Ghost. So, Father, we give you thanks and praise today for your goodness, your compassion, and your grace today, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you are here doing great and mighty things, signs, wonders, and miracles. And Lord, we give you the honor and the glory that's due your name. And we bless you today in Jesus' name. Let's stand and worship the Lord together. And let's stand together this morning.
sing that hallelujah chorus with just the voices. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords, every sickness, disease, infirmity has to bow to you. It has to obey you. Hallelujah. 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 Our God is a good God. And he loves you. And he's got the power to change you. It doesn't matter what report you've been given. It doesn't matter how long you've had to deal with this thing. God's got an answer. He's got a solution. He's got the power to change it in this moment right now in the name of Jesus. I want you just, if you need something changed in your, in, in your life, in your body, Lord, I just want you, I want you to make a declaration. You're going you're gonna to decree with your mouth what needs to be changed in you, and you're thanking God that he's changing it. All right? Go ahead and do that right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we give you thanks and praise. You are changing things in us by your power, by your glory, by your goodness. Changes are happening right now. Transformations are taking place from bad to good, from worse to better, from lack to a full supply, from depression to joy, from oppression to freedom. From weakness to strength. Hallelujah. God, you're doing it. It's because of you, Jesus. It's because of the name. It's because of the blood. It's because of the Holy Spirit. It's because of the Word of God. We declare and we decree right now. (coughs) I declare freedom in this place. Freedom in your people. Thank you, Father. Strengthen your people. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And if you're feeling something in you, celebrate it. Praise Him for it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is moving in this place. Lord, we thank you. You are working. 
You're always working. And Lord, we receive. We are your masterpieces. Yes. Say, I'm the Lord's masterpiece. I'm the Lord's masterpiece. You know, you can put a pot in anybody's hands and it may not be the best, but you put it in the master's hands, in the potter's hands, he'll smooth out the rough edges. He'll make you beautiful. He can make a pile of ashes beautiful. He can turn your mourning into dancing. Thank you, Father, for stretching forth your hand to your people, releasing the power of your word to your people, and the power of the Holy Spirit that is regenerating them, rejuvenating them, and renewing them. And Lord, we thank you for speaking to us now. Just as I told my disciples before I left this earth, I said, All power and authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. But I take that and I anoint you and I call you and I have equipped you to exercise my authority and my power in my name. You have been equipped by my Holy Spirit. You have been filled with my will. You have holy hands. I am calling you to a greater work, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Glory to God. Just say this. Say, Lord, Lord, I'm yours, and you're mine. Amen. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. I'll tell you what, we got a phenomenal team. Bless musicians, bless singers. Hallelujah. But we're glad that you're here today. Amen. You're in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. This will be our last confession about the Lord's strength and power, and it'll be changing for next week. So we want to make a confession of faith. Amen? Amen. How, how about, could you, could you be powered up today? Yes. Could Amen. you be energized today? Yes. Strengthened today? Yes. I believe that while we say these words, it's going to happen. So let's make our confession. The Lord is our strength, might, and power. We praise and exalt him. The creator of heaven and earth does not become tired or grow weary. If we are weary, God gives us strength and increases our power. As we wait on the Lord, we receive strength and our power is replenished. 
With the Lord's strength, we will run and not become weary, and we will walk and not grow tired. We will carry out the Lord's will. God's grace is sufficient for every challenge, and his power is perfected in us. We have Christ's power abiding in us. We boldly decree that we are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We do all things right in his sight. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We are ready for anything because we are infused with the Lord's power and might. The Lord is our rock and our fortress, and he rescues us from trouble. We trust in him. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. Good morning, BCF. Guess what? Today's Pastor Nelson's birthday. We are so excited for Pastor Nelson, and we wish you a happy birthday, and he is so blessed. And so after service today, we are celebrating the fact that Jesus put him here on earth and with us, too. So you can hang out with us after service and fellowship and just have a time of celebration and bless Pastor Nelson. Okay, and it is this Saturday. This Saturday is our community egg hunt. I came up fast. <laughs> It'll be April 1st this Saturday. March is practically over. Um, it's free. It's for kids ages 2 to 12 years old. We will have lots of eggs filled everywhere, and it'll be a wonderful time. So invite the community. They can come on out, and that's on Saturday at 11 a.m. All right, and then we have our 2023 Women's Conference. That is on April 21st and 22nd, so a Friday evening and Saturday morning. Um, Dr. Fiona will be speaking, and we will have our guest speaker, Pastor Patty Akui. So I am so excited for this conference. I mean, I'm excited for all the conferences we have here. Um, But this one is specifically about healing and restoration, right? So also invite people because I know the power of God will be there to heal and restore. And I wanted to share with you, um, Pastor Doug had said something on Friday about, like, listening to the sound of the abundance of rain. So that phrase has been, like, rolling around in my head. And he said that on Friday, and wouldn't you know, it rained all day on Saturday. (laughs) So practical application, right? I went for a walk in the rain. It's kind of cold, um, but oh well. And it soaked through my jacket, and so as I was walking in the rain, I was just thinking, and I was listening to the sound of the abundance of rain, right? So you can hear abundance, and you can hear the abundance of rain. So how do you know? What does that sound like? Well, first off, it sounds loud. You know when it's raining, right? (laughs) Um, Because of the things that it is hitting around you. So I was also listening to, like, the raindrops as they hit different surfaces, 
right? As it hits leaves, which are like a hard surface, you can hear it because they're like resistant, right? It just kind of rolls right off. But when it hits like a soft, pliable surface, like the ground, right, it's, it's soft. You can't hear it as much because it is receiving the rain that it has. It's not really like resisting it. It's not a hard surface. And also, you know when it's raining because everything gets soaked, right? So we want to be soaked by the abundance of rain, and we want to be soft and receive it from what Jesus has for us, right? There's so much, and when we receive it, then everything grows. It's so simple. (laughs) Like, you don't have to think about it. The ground doesn't think about growing stuff. It just grows stuff. (laughs) Um, And lots of things. Well, also, it doesn't take very long. As I was walking in the rain, within like five minutes, you could tell that I was soaked, basically. On your hair, on your coat, on your jacket, my shoes were wet. You know, you squish, squish as you walk, right? (laughs) It doesn't take a long time to notice that the abundance of rain has an effect on you. And other people will notice it, too. And rain doesn't always come by itself, either. There's lots of other noises that come with rain, right? There's wind, thunder, lightning, whoosh. All of the sounds, right? As you can hear everything. So with abundance comes lots of God's goodness and provision and his love and all sorts of things, right? We produce with the rain. So I encourage you to be like the ground and receive the rain. Just like when Jesus talks about the different soils in the New Testament. We want to be good soil and good ground that receives the sound of the abundance of rain. Amen? Thank you, Melissa. So, speaking of rain, so I'm not doing a testimony today. I want to share a little nugget with you. What time is it? Oh, yeah, we finish worship early. We can talk a little. So I want to talk to you about Noah, speaking about rain. (laughs) So the Lord had been showing me that Noah, when he got off the boat, the ark, he, him and his family were the only people on the planet Earth. The entire planet Earth had only them. So basically, they owned the Earth. God took him out of a place where everybody around him thought evil. Every single person but his family. Their thoughts were so evil collectively that God, it was putrid to God in heaven think about this and god was able to clean that mess up just so he could preserve mankind wherever you are it is not as bad as what noah had i can guarantee you you got to stop giving the devil a magnifying glass around you you got to start telling him get out of the way now one of the things it's in the book of genesis after noah came out of the ark that god said to him as long as the earth remains seed time and harvest winter and summer and all those scriptures that he was showing noah the earth is going to remain and as long as it does these things are going to happen right so in right away calm down noah things are going to start growing again the earth is going to be up again because remember noah lived in a time where everything he had everything right 
but God was not pleased with what was about to happen with everything, right? Now, if we are not careful, we will want to maintain what's happening and try to add a little good to it so that it's not so bad. But sometimes God just wants to wipe the place clean, and he needs your help to do it. If you're saying you're the righteous one among them, then listen for the instruction. Okay? Now, the other thing I wanted to point out is in your house, in your workplace and your house, in your home and your workplace, even in here, in this church, the words you speak plants for the harvest you're about to receive. So in your house, you need to decide what type of seeds you're bringing into your home and planting there. And then you have to decide what kind of weeds are you pulling up out of the ground that has somehow made its way over in your little environment or your big environment. Do you understand? Noah could have chosen to take care of weeds instead of stuff that could feed him and his family. Think about this. Because the the, the, the word that was given to him is as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will remain. So any kind of seed will produce its own harvest. So Noah could have focused on all the thorns. He could have just said, well, let me nourish these thorns. And what would, what would the earth be populated with? Thorns. But instead, he obviously focused on the stuff that produced food because we have food. Right? It's evident that Noah did his job because we're all here. (laughs) It worked. Do you see? You have to realize that God will always win. The question is, are you helping him or are you opposing him? In your own life, in your own family, in your own family line, the enemy will always bring a magnifying glass to show you what he's doing. He has to because it's not big enough. But he always wants to make it look big. It's not big enough. It's never going to be big enough. All you have to do is find the right seeds to plant in your garden. Get in the Bible. Noah didn't have the Bible. You ever thought about that? Noah had an instruction from God. Build this thing, and this is what it's going to look like, and this is what's coming. That's why you're building the thing. What God told him was coming, he never heard of. But he was obedient to God. God didn't have to come back and tell him ten times. Have you thought about it, Noah? You know, I really need your help. (laughs) God did not have to do that. Why does God have to do that with us? Why? Why does he have, he doesn't have to do it with me. He tells me I'm up and at him. But my point is, why do we question God to do an an assignment, to do something? The devil has a, you need to destroy all the magnifying glasses of the enemy around your life. Crush them. The way you crush, it's easy. If you realize how easy we have it. Since Jesus came, it became so easy. Because he put the power in our tongue. What Jesus did t- took all the sacrifice and all the one year 
you know, every year they have to go and they have to, and they have to get a scapegoat. And they have, he put it in our tongue. This is what Jesus did for us. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So I want to tell you today that you could never have it as bad as Noah had it. I'm just saying. You, you just can't. <laughs> Imagine the entire earth. We're talking every country that was populated with people, all of them, every single one of them, their thoughts were so collectively evil that God had to wipe them off the planet. And Noah and his family, was, they were living in the midst of that. That's how they went on the ark. From the, that group of people, that's how they got on the ark. And then when they came off, all of a sudden, boom, they're all gone. And now they have to start over. But they started over by worshiping God. They started over by giving thanks to God. So some of the seeds you can plant in your house, it should be ripe and it should be flourishing with thanksgiving to God. But instead, the enemy wants to come in with his magnifying glass on the telephone, on the TV, on your text messages, right? With the news, whatever form you look at it. And he wants to give you seeds for you to plant that are not thanksgiving seeds. And they are, oh my, what are we going to do seeds? <laughs> God has solutions. He's never let any of us down ever the things that have pulled us down have been the, the behaviors we have accepted from the enemy as okay to do that's what's pulled us down but if you look at it and we follow god's instruction he has never ever backed out of his word ever i have been a christian my entire life i had to pick a date when i was saved because i couldn't remember i just picked the age when i was saved <laughs> and I have seen God do miraculous things, and I've, I've held ground to say, no, this will not happen. This will happen. I've done it my whole life. We, when I lived in Guyana, you weren't born yet. When I lived in Guyana, there was a period in the 80s where the country had banned, the president of the country banned wheat flour. Were you alive then? But you know about it. Your dad, your dad knew about it. His dad knew about it. And yeah, your dad's actually younger than me. That is just ridiculous, but besides the point. But so I remember when they banned wheat flour, the flour that we made roti with, you know, that was our staple food and bread. They banned it to the point that if it was discovered in your house, the government would take your house. Yeah, isn't that ridiculous? And if they found it in your vehicle, they would stop you at the side of the road, take your vehicle, everybody out of the vehicle is now theirs. I lived during that time, and I ate bread every day. <laughs> yep. And we had bread. The only time I didn't eat bread was when I went to stay with family members. My, my parents were in Barbados. And my mom left me and my sister with family members. And you know what they did? They fed all their children bread and gave my sister and I breadfruit, which was a starchy vegetable thing. So we would sit at the table for breakfast, and they're all eating bread and butter, and we had to sit there and eat breadfruit. Mm-hmm. 
because bread was scarce, so they didn't give us any of the scarce stuff. They give their children the scarce stuff and give us the other stuff. I sat there and, and watched that, but I watched too when my parents came back and I told them all the bad things they did to me. Uh, my mom gave them a lavish supply of everything she brought back and gave us a couple of things. I said, Mom, <laughs> this is not right. <laughs> But I watched my whole life as my parents would sow good seed. It didn't matter what was happening. They always sowed good seed. And, and my, now us, we can reap it. Do you see? Pull from everything good that ever happened in your family line. That, the reason I'm saying that is you've got to know which seed to pull from. Pull from every good thing that your family did that would have pleased God and bring it in your house. Plant it in your house. When you talk about your family line, that's what you talk about. Amen? That's what you talk about. Blessed Children Home will never run out of food. Like never, ever, forever. Because of what my mom did. Like I, there's just no way. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So that's what I pull from. That's what I pull from. Do you see? So what I'm saying is I'm giving you this testimony so you can hear and think about think about don't just write off an entire generation because they didn't they weren't a christian like you they might have been saved but something went awry take all the good seeds and start planting it so it can bring forth fruit amen there are preachers all over the world preaching today because my parents uh went and, and pastored churches that nobody would pastor and those people got saved they raised up they have congregation do you know what i'm saying so when i think about these things those are good seeds. The devil can't bring a magnifying glass to me and tell me nothing because I got a bigger one. And you don't have to magnify the things God did for you. They're so big. <laughs> you magnify God. Amen? We magnify the Lord because he's the one that we want to make big in our lives. So next time something attacks your body, when I was singing the song, what the Lord showed me is every attack of the enemy is unholy. That's what I was trying to sing out to everybody. Every attack of the enemy on your body, on your pocketbook, in your house, on your children, it's, it's unholy, and you need to call it unholy and say you're worshiping the holy God, and nothing unholy has permission to attach itself to you. This is what we have to, to bring into perspective. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, that just proves that the blessing works. Amen. You know, in the garden, God built, God put everything, made everything grow. But uh, after Noah, it was God's plan that he already put in place. And the blessing, say the blessing works. Blessing say, I'm blessed. Amen. God can put you anywhere and that blessing will work. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, you can give today to God, and giving is important to God, but it's more important to us. Amen? Because when we give to God, that's a seed, and his blessing is a harvest. So if you want a harvest, God is the only, you know, God's kingdom is financed through giving. No other corporation or business, or anything else, is that 
true. But God's total kingdom runs on giving. Because you know why? God is the greatest giver of all time. And uh, he celebrates when his people are just like him. So uh, you know in your giving today, you know what to do. If you're watching, you can go online. If you need to use a card, you go to the bookstore. Put in the seed planter, amen. Father, we give you thanks and praise as we bring our tithes and offerings uh, just to celebrate your goodness, Lord. And we do it because we love you. And we invest in your kingdom, Father. And we're so grateful and thankful for your rich return that you give us. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we got some kids' life teachers, kids' life helpers, and we've got some kids. Amen. So, kids, we want to dismiss you now to your class. Have a great one. Be blessed. Hallelujah. Say, God is up to something good. Today and in my life forever. And that's not even what I'm talking about today. You know, we've been given the greatest gift. The greatest gift to the world was Jesus Christ. But the greatest gift to the church is Holy Spirit. And today we want to talk about cooperating and communicating with Holy Spirit. How many know that he's a helper? You know, he comes to us, he's been sent to us to help us. So he doesn't do everything for us, but we cooperate with him. And we can communicate with him because he communicates to us. And I just want to talk about some things on how the Holy how they can help us cooperate and communicate with Holy Spirit. Amen. How many would like to be brought into all truth on a subject? Guess who helps you do that? Holy Spirit. Amen. He's involved in every aspect of our life and of our born again and spiritual life. Our born again experience in our spiritual life. I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. You know, wherever the Holy Spirit goes, there is life. He is a life giver. He is a life producer. He is a life generator. You know, we have electric generators, and they run on fuel, and we could uh, fuel them up, turn them on, and we can power electrical devices, right? Well, God put a spiritual generator on the inside of us that empowers us to live the life that Christ gave to us, all right? In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, we're going to look at this. Hallelujah. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. We are just dust balls. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brush, it, brush yourself off. You're a little, a little dusty. <laughs> right? We've been formed from the dust of the ground. So when God formed us, we were just this clob of dirt. All right? But... And, and, you know, this pile of dirt didn't do anything until something entered into them. And he breathed 
the breath, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Say the breath of life. That is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God produces life. You have got God's breath in you. Hallelujah. And his breath animated you. His breath activated you. His breath made you alive. It was the breath that made the dirt a living being, a living soul. Hallelujah. We are alive because of the Spirit of God. Because God is a spirit. He's a spirit. And he does spiritual things. How many have ever seen God? I haven't seen God. Why? He's invisible. He's a spirit. He's like scotch tape. You can't see him, but you know he's there. Amen? And, and God is a spirit. So he, it, it, it was from spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit resuscitation. A spirit to spirit infusion. A spirit to spirit spark that made life and caused it to happen. Say, Holy Spirit's a life giver. All right? He is the breath of God. All right? Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. John, chapter 6. Hallelujah. Oh, God is good. How many were here on Wednesday? How many got touched by the God's power on Wednesday? If you got touched, raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We got eight people that were touched that were here on Wednesday. Amen. And you know what? God loves to touch people. He loves to lift you up. He loves to heal you, save you, deliver you, fill you, uh, comfort you, accept you. Glory to God. God just loves people. He, He loves them so much he made you in his image and in his likeness. John chapter 6 and uh, verse 63. John 6 and 63. Glory to God. He says this. Jesus is talking. And he said, it is the spirit who gives life. Say, the Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Your flesh is just along for the ride. If you've been born again, your spirit is in charge, and your flesh is just along for the ride. Okay? Then he said, he goes on, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. God's word is spiritual language, and wherever it is spoken, it produces life. It gives light or illumination. The words that Jesus spoke are spirit. Woo! You're holding spiritual language in your hands. The Bible is, is God's spiritual language, and they are life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But then verse 64, look at verse 64. But there are some of you who do not believe. 
There, there were some in Jesus' day that didn't believe the Spirit gives life, that didn't believe his words were life. What happens when you don't believe? You're dead. Amen? I don't know about you, but I like, I like being alive better than dead. So I'm going to believe the Holy Spirit. I'm going to believe that he's a life giver. Why? Why? The Bible tells us so. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. Let's go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Glory be to God. You glad you came this morning? Well, when you can, you're going to get the word. So guess what? Life's coming to us. As I'm speaking, I'm speaking to you words of life. I'm not speaking words that I came up with myself. I'm speaking the words of Jesus. He wrote down in a book for us. He wanted to preserve his words of life for us so that we can always reference them. Did you know that if you're holding a Bible in your hands, you're holding the greatest medicine cabinet that was ever created? Why? This cures every disease, every sickness. This, this, listen, it didn't take scientists to write this. God wrote it. Amen? I mean, if he can create life, he can fix life, can't he? Hallelujah. If he can make it, he can fix it. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Now, that's a faith word, right now. Now, may the God of peace himself, everybody say himself. This is God's personal touch. Hallelujah. The God of peace himself sanctify you partly. Oh, it didn't say partly? It says wholly. Completely. When God does something, he does it to the complete, to the full, to the whole. Amen? Our God is not a part-time God. He is always, he's an always God. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That means cleanse you, make you whole, wash you, right? And notice what he says. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say spirit, soul, and body. Now, most people in the world would would put body, soul, and spirit. They would put the body first. Why? Because they're more body-minded. They're more fleshly-minded. But God, he doesn't put the body first. Why? What existed before the body? Spirit. God, right? He always was, always will be. He is eternal. Amen? And before there was ever a body, there was a God. And so God, when you get born again, he turns you right side up. Instead of making all the focus on our bodies, that's what we, that's what we focused on before we met Christ. But now, the spirit, he puts that in order for a reason. Spirit, soul, and body. God puts the top priority on your spiritual life more than your natural life. He said, bodily exercise will profit you a little. You'll get a little bit out of it. But he said, godliness, which is a spiritual principle that has eternal value. Everybody say the spirits first. 
The spirit is God's top priority. Say that. Spirit is God's top priority. When he doesn't work in you, he works in you from inside out. How many, when you got born again, your hair color changed? Or your eye color changed? How come that didn't change? But what changed? Something on the inside, right? It was the spirit. It was the real you, the hidden man of the heart that was made alive. When we, cause we were born with a sin nature. In, we, when we were born into this earth, we were born with a sin nature because Adam was humanity's representative. And when he sinned, his sin fell upon all of us. But when we met Jesus, so we were spiritually dead people walking around. Until we met Jesus. And then we went from spiritual death to spiritual life. We, we, tra- we translated from death to life. These things are written that you might know that you passed from death to life. How many has passed from death to life? Whoo, I passed the death test. I went, I passed, I got a life on, I got life on my death test. Hallelujah. We have passed from death to life. When we met Christ, how many's ever had a gas furnace? We have a gas furnace, right? Sometimes gas operated things, they have a pilot light, right? And sometimes, for whatever reason, the pilot light goes out. So when you go to turn on whatever the appliance, right? And because it doesn't have a flicker or a flame, click, 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 nothing happens. Just gas comes out, right? How many know in order for a gas-operated appliance to work, it needs a flame? Well, when we met Jesus, we, our flame got relit, Our flame got ignited and we became born again, born from above. We became alive in God. We became connected to God, part of God's family, part of his household. We we became citizens in heaven. The very moment you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, he took, God took a lighter and lit, lit that pilot light. So that now when he turns us on, there's fire. How many know God's a God of fire? The Bible says he's a consuming fire. So we got to become more spiritually minded than we are fleshly minded. We have to let our spirit now retrain our bodies. You know, before you met Jesus, your body told your spirit what to do. How many... Don't don't raise your hand. Just keep smiling and looking forward. But you know, before Christ, we did what we felt. We were motivated. We were motivated by how we felt, or our emotions. Right? We let anger or rage or whatever take over. Right? Now now you're telling on them. <laughs> but when we meet Jesus, now that all gets flipped. Now we have to let the Spirit of God use the Word of God to govern us. Now, instead of our senses, our five physical senses, now we let the Word of God govern our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Amen? Okay. So, uh, go to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. 
I know I'm spending too long on this. I'm going to get moving here. Proverbs chapter 4. And look at verse 21. Hallelujah. Proverbs 4. Verse 21. He's talking about paying attention to God's words. And... uh, he says, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are what? Life to those who what? See, because God's word, did, did men come up with the Bible? They, they didn't have a Bible convention and they say, we're going to write this book about God. You will not find man's ideas in this book. But men were inspired by the Holy Spirit. They were told what to write. They got God, they, they were able to capture God's thoughts and God's heart and, and write content for us. Amen? Hallelujah. So this is a spiritual work. So the spirit produces life. All right? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So if you want to, anywhere that life is being promoted, the Holy Spirit can cooperate with. Right? Because he's a life promoter, he's a life giver, he is the source of life. Life comes out of the Spirit. Why? God breathed his breath. God put his Spirit in us. He breathed the breath of God. That's the Spirit of God. He's, he's a, the Spirit is the breath of fresh air. Hallelujah. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And verse 17. See, we're going to find things that the Holy Spirit promotes are, are things that we can cooperate with. Right? So if you want to, if you want to promote life, he, you can work with him. Right? But if you want to promote death, you know, gossip is death words. Backbiting is death words. Guess what? Holy Spirit doesn't, doesn't cooperate with those. He cooperates with us loving one another. He cooperates with truth. He cooperates with holiness and righteousness. He cooperates with these things. The Holy Spirit doesn't cooperate with can'ts. We have a can't problem. Better get a term, call the Terminator. You have a can't problem. You, you, you got ants? No, we got can'ts problem. Amen? Did you know that miracles come in cans? I can do how many things through Christ who strengthens me? I can. So miracles come in cans. Amen? <laughs> All right. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse 17. Mm-mm-mm. He says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. Woo! He is a Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty, freedom, emancipation, deliverance. If you want to bring people into bondage, the Holy Spirit won't cooperate with you. He, he, he supports and promotes freedom. The Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, he happens to be here. So there, there's liberty here. There's freedom here. Sickness is a bondage, but healing is freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah. But with all, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Are you beholding the glory of the Lord? Hallelujah. We, guess what? We can see God's glory. Amen. If you can't see it in the natural, you can see it by faith. How many believe that God's got some glory? How many believe he shares his glory with us? He, Moses got to see his glory. Moses asked to see his glory. And that's the Old Testament. We have a New Testament. Hallelujah. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Woo. Glory to God. We are being transformed into the same image. What does that mean? We, our goal is to be like Christ. Amen? And we go from glory to glory just by the, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. With every birthday, I say I go from glory to glory. I don't cry about the numbers. Stop crying about the numbers. Stop trying to make believe that the numbers are different. Celebrate the numbers. Say, God is keeping me. God is sustaining me. Amen? Why well, I go from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Get a different perspective. Get a spiritual perspective. Communicate with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Caleb knew how to talk Holy Spirit language. What did Caleb say? He said, I'm as strong now as I was when I was 45. And he said, he, he, he celebrated how God kept him. Now he was 80 or 85. What did he do when he was 85? Did he retire? No, he retired some giants. He said, Moses promised me that mountain and I'm going to take that mountain. And on that mountain were the last of the giants. Caleb celebrated the strength that God gave him to take mountains. Listen, just because you retired from your career doesn't mean you retired from God. Because there are still things that you can do for God. Amen? Well, what do I do? Guess what? You've been given a Holy Spirit. Talk to him. He'll tell you what to do. He'll give you an instruction. He'll teach you. He'll bring you into all truth. He'll help you get there. Why? Because that's what he does. Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. He's not cousin it from the Adams family. He is a person. He is part of the Godhead. He is holy. He has, he has divinity. He is divine. He is eternal. He is the Spirit of God. God gave us his Spirit. But we got to cooperate with him. So many times, he'd like to do more. But we got tired of traveling, so we're putting on the brakes. I want to stop here. I'm too tired. The weak say, let the weak say I'm what? Strong. Or, yeah, if you're saying that you're weak. Whoo, glory to God. All right. Say there's freedom in the Spirit. Did you know that Jesus said the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach deliverance to the captives? Who was on him? Spirit. The same spirit that was on Jesus is the same spirit that is in us. It's not a different spirit. We got the same goods. We got the same power. We got the same authority. But it's in Jesus' name. Amen? Hallelujah. Go, go to Luke chapter 4. 
Luke chapter 4. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 4. Going the wrong way. Glory to God. Today's a good day. You know, when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, things happen. Miracles flow. Amen? There wasn't a hand laid on anybody on Wednesday. Why? Holy Spirit was laying hands on people. He just, he just preached the word and let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting. Amen? And there's nothing that he can't do. Sometimes we just got to get out of his way. Amen? Okay, Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. Luke 4 and verse 1. Then Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit for just a moment. No, it says being. Being, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Amen? When was Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit? At his baptism. When he was baptized in water, God spoke from the sky. The Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hallelujah. And from that moment on, he was full of power. He was full of goodness. He was full of strength. He was full of might. He was full of the Spirit of God. He didn't do a miracle before he was filled. Because the Bible recorded his first miracle, which was the water to wine at the wedding in Cana. So, Jesus being filled. Say, if Jesus is filled, then I should be filled. So, if you came in here empty, you can get filled up. This is a filling station. You don't need a card. You don't need an account. You just need Jesus. You can get filled and refilled anytime. You might just say, Let me just top it off for you. Let me just top it off. Amen? So if you're a little down today and you came in, you're going to leave filled. Not just filled, but overflowing. God's into overflow. Amen? He doesn't just fill it to the brim. He lets it run over. Why? Because you need to affect other people than yourself. God thinks about others. When he's filling you, he's thinking about how the people that you can reach. Your sphere of influence. All right? Okay, so Jesus being, that's now an ongoing being, right? Filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Everybody say he was led. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How many sons of God do we have here? That includes all the sons as a position. You allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. You're, you're not following your own desire. You're not creating your own way. You are following someone. He is going before you. He's instructing you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He's directing you. Jesus allowed the Holy Spirit to lead him. And he led him into the wilderness. Say, hey, Spirit, where are you taking me? Listen, wherever the Spirit leads you, he knows you can handle it. 
He knows you can overcome it. He knows you can, he, he sent you there to win. He led him into the wilderness so that the devil could just be reminded how whooped he was. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to remind the devil how whooped he was. The devil thought Jesus was just like Adam. But Jesus says, I got news for you. I'm going to do it right. You can throw anything that you have at me, but I'm going to do it right. My predecessor may have failed, but I'm not going to fail. Hallelujah. Everybody say he was filled and he was led. You know, if you're having trouble hearing the Holy Spirit, you might need to be filled again. Because notice Jesus was filled, then he was led. You're trying to be led when you're empty. <laughs> hard to, it's hard to go anywhere where you're empty. Amen? Try, try, going, try, try going, traveling 300 miles when your tank says E. Let's see how far you get. What do you got to do if you want to go 300 miles? Fill it up. How many people, listen, today you can be filled up. I don't care if you were filled up last week, you can be filled up again. Amen? God wants his people full. He wants power just oozing out of you. He wants you to be a holy flamethrower. Why? You got to burn up some demons, some principalities and some powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay? So, Jesus was filled. All right? And, uh, glory to God. Um, (laughs) So, we got to be filled and we got to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, let's go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. So, the Spirit of God... He's into freedom. He's into filling. He's into truth. Right? He's into life. Amen? So anytime that you want to cooperate with those things, you can cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You know, he's not going to help you sin. That's the wrong, that's the other spirit. That's the crazy spirit. Right? The whole, everybody say, Holy Spirit. That word holy means he's not going to help you sin because he's holy. All right? We got to get a perspective of that. All right, Luke, I'm, I'm sorry, John chapter 4 and verse 23. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well here. And he said, oh, I better get in four, I was in five. John, uh, John four twenty three. He said, but the hour is coming and now is. We are in this hour right now. He said, when the true worshipers, we got some true worshipers in this place. If there's true worshipers, then there's false worshipers. We're going to get to that in a minute. The true worshipers will worship the Father, How? In spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. He is seeking some worshipers. 
that will allow the Holy Spirit to lead them in expressing their love to God. How many know the Holy Spirit can help you express your love to God? He can say, get those hands up higher. You know, when I first became a Christian, I had a ceiling. It wasn't going any higher. But when I got born again, it went a little bit higher. Amen? Some of you need to learn how to raise your hands. Why? I am surrendered to God. What does a child do when they want something from a parent? What do they do without thinking about it? They raise their hands. They didn't go to school for that. Because they're just learning things. But when a young child wants something from their parents, they raise their hands. A child has no problem raising their hands in the presence of a parent. Why? Because they know that that parent is going to supply what they need. They know that parent is going to pick them up, wrap them in their arms. Amen. Kids just do that naturally. But, but religion, religion, religion is all about form and ceremony but there's no life in it. God's a God of life. He's a God of excitement. God is fun. Joy is one of his fruits. People think it's okay to have joy in a comedy club. It's okay to have joy with your friends, but you get into church. My God, there better not be any joy there. We do not baptize people in lemon juice. We baptize them in the Holy Ghost and and there is joy. We should not be ashamed of love, joy, peace, or any other fruit. My goodness. Religion sucks the joy out of a relationship with God. So, we're supposed to worship God. We're supposed to be led by Him, influenced by Him, filled by Him, And flow with him. You know, God will lead you in worship. You might, you might be worshiping God and you might be impressed to get on your knees. Why do I have to get on my knees? It doesn't matter why, just do it. You're you're letting him lead you. You're not leading yourself. You're letting God lead you. He will loose the stiffest board. He'll make that board like rubber. Right? Religion makes you stiff. I, I know. I grew, up, I grew up in a religious church. I know. But I got some freedom when I, I met God for real. Everybody say God is into freedom. So our worship needs to be free. We ought to be free to express ourselves. We ought to be free to shout, free to run, free to dance, free to cry, free to laugh, free to just wallow on the floor. It doesn't matter. Just express yourself to God because he's into freedom. And don't you be judging how, don't you be judging people's expression because when Michal, um, who was David's wife, judged how he worshipped God, she became barren for the rest of her days. Don't you dare judge a person's expression. 
Well, I don't agree with that. It doesn't matter if you agree or not. Didn't ask you. Maybe you need to learn how to express yourself from them. Okay, that's all. let's get, get off that now. Hallelujah. Did you? Oh, <laughs> go go to Ephesians five for just a minute. Whoo! My goodness, this is like a layer cake. We're just taking down some layers. Ephesians five. Verse uh, 18, Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Be not drunk with wine in which is dissipation or excess. What's the alternative to being drunk with wine? What does he say there? But be what? So when people get drunk in the natural, he equates getting drunk in the Don't get drunk in the natural, but be filled with the spirit. You can be drunk. Why? It is new wine. All right? Notice, but he said, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. And what? Everybody say spiritual songs. Is there any better worshiper than the Holy Spirit? He only magnifies Jesus. He only tells us what the Father tells him. He will never contradict Jesus. He'll never contradict the word. He'll never go against truth. He'll never worship a lie. Hallelujah. We need to know how to let the Holy Spirit lead us in worship. He gives us spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That sounds like a fun service. I'm just singing and making a melody to the Lord. Hallelujah. And God's just saying, oh, I just love this. I'm looking for people who will worship in spirit and in truth. I'm looking for people who will let the spirit of God lead them into greater levels, into deeper depths, into greater degrees of worship. I'm looking. The father is looking for people who let the spirit of God lead them in worship. It's time to come out of. Religions camp confinement. You you have been shackled, but the shackles have been taken off. Amen. You know the story. If you if you tie up an animal, right, and you only give them so much and for so long, but when you take that off, they're going to feel like they're still tied, right? Some of you got out of religion and you feel like you've been still confined. You're still tied. Let it out. You've been loosed. Hallelujah. Say I'm loosed. I'm free. I'm full. I'm overflowing. I'm moving with the Holy Ghost. Come on. Some of you just, come, come on. Some of you just, just move. I'm moving with the Holy Ghost. Don't bump, in, don't bump into each other. Come on. Just move with the Holy Ghost. Right? He's got a flow to him. He's got a freedom to him. There's a looseness to him. The Holy Spirit is never uptight. He's always right. All right? So, he's into worship. Amen? Go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Right before Colossians. And look at verse 3. Everybody do this for just a second. We're going to read this verse a second, but I want you, everybody to close your eyes. 
And I want you to say, Holy Spirit, lead me in how to worship and how to please you and how to do your will. I'm listening intently to you and I will do what you say. Was that hard? That's the easiest thing that you could do and that's how easy it is. You just gave the Holy Spirit permission to lead you. Now he might take you by the hand and he might say, here, do this. You know what he'll do? He'll say, do this. He'll say, do that. And if you're sensitive, see, it's not about the expression, it's about the obedience. You've got to obey him, even in the little things. How are you going to obey him in the big things if you don't obey him in the little things? <laughs> if you don't obey him in the little things, you're never going to get to a higher level. If you can't obey God to, to say, take a step out, then you're going to be stuck forever. Amen? There might be some bigger things you need to get out of. Well, if you're not listening to him in the little things, he's not going to tell you anything about the big things. That's not his style. <laughs> Wasn't God's will for Israelites to spend 40 years in the wilderness? No. It wasn't God's will. But why did they do it? Because of their own words. Their own filthy mouths. They always spoke death. They always said how God's going to kill them. How, how, you know, they even thought of themselves as grasshoppers. And they didn't even take a poll of the giants. We thought of grass, our grasshoppers in our own sight. Really? Did you take a poll? Did you interview the giant to see what he thought? Because when, when Rahab, when they found Rahab in Jericho, they were fearful. They were locked up because they were afraid of the Israelites. Because they heard about the Red Sea. And, and Jericho was shaking in their boots because that was the first city in, the Cana, in Canaan land. We come to find out that they were all afraid of the Israelites. And here these bad reporters come back saying, we're like grasshoppers in our sight. Well, hop on out of here. Let's get, let's get the people who aren't grasshoppers to go in and take the land. If you want, if you want to be a grasshopper, hop on out of here. <laughs> God didn't make you a grasshopper. He made you a demon stomper. You can tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You're a demon stomper. Amen? Not no grasshopper. And I don't care if you you like the movie Kung Fu. You're not a grasshopper. (laughs) Grasshopper, if you can take this pot from my hand. (laughs) All right. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. For we are the circumcision. That's a believer. A circumcision, that's what the Jews did, but it's also something that was done by faith. Who worship God, how? How do we worship God? In the spirit. Did you know that there's a spiritual realm that is operating right here, right now? We can't see it, but it's there. There is a, the spiritual realm is more real than this natural realm. Because it's existed longer. Actually, this natural realm came out of the spiritual realm. 
When God said, let there be light, he brought it out of the spirit with his spiritual words and spiritual power and the light came on. But it came from the spirit. Why? Because it came from what God said, because God's a spirit. Amen? Do you see that? Okay? So he says, for we are, are the circumcision, we worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus. Everybody say rejoice. So that tells me that worship ought to be joyful. Oh, whoa, we hope. What you going? We've just come to worship God. That's the spirit of Eeyore. How, how many know Tigger? Winnie the Pooh? You got Eeyore. Eeyore, always negative. Always down. And then you got Piglet. Hey, Eeyore, how you doing? Oh, it's a terrible day. But part of worship is rejoicing in Christ. Has anyone ever done to you what Christ has done to you? Could, every, could anyone ever do for you what Christ has done for you? Is there anyone higher in name or stature than Christ? then we ought to get excited. When we're worshiping God, there ought to be some rejoicing taking place. There ought to be some joy flowing. <laughs> Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have confidence, and have no confidence where? In the flesh. All right. Go to Romans chapter 8. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. Whoo! We're working this, aren't we? We're going to be better equipped to flow with the Holy Ghost. You know, uh, one of my mentors, Brother Hagen, the last few years of his life, he felt led to have Holy Ghost meetings, and he wouldn't have he would have these in churches because they would go for two weeks at least. And uh, he would just spend a lot of time praying and the Holy Ghost meetings were wild. <laughs> I mean, lots of different things happened. And, uh, but he said, if we don't teach the generation how to move and flow with the Holy Ghost, he said, a generation will miss how to move and flow with the Holy Ghost. And religion has done a good job at squashing and grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. To this point where, you know, some people, some churches are just, they don't even talk about them. They don't operate in gifts. You know, they don't speak in tongues. Right? I didn't come out of a tongue-talking church. I, there was, if there was any, there was, or very few, in the church that I came out of, I, you know, I didn't, I did meet a few tongue-talking people that came out of the church that I was in, but uh, it's very small minority. But you know, when we talk in tongues, you know, you know what the Bible says? We talk directly to God. That is a spiritual language that He gives to His people as a gift for communication, and it builds up your faith. All right, Romans eight. All right? And uh, he sets 
the difference here between a fleshly person or a carnal person and a spiritual person. Okay? Now, I know I'm talking to a group of spiritual Guess what? Whether you're carnal or not, you're still spiritual. It's just a carnal person is letting their flesh dominate their life. A spiritual person lets the spirit dominate their life. But guess what? We're all spirit. We're all spiritual people. But the question is, too, too many times our flesh has been overdeveloped and our spirit has been underdeveloped. You know, when you have an underdeveloped spirit, the flesh is going to take over. The spirit will say, hey, flesh, you shouldn't do that. And the flesh will go, ha, ha, ha. Right? How many has done something that you didn't want to do knowing it was wrong? Don't raise your hands. We all, we've all done it. Right? We've all done something wrong knowing it was wrong. Why? What made us do that? Our fleshly desire, our lust for whatever thing, whatever, it doesn't matter. It, it originated from the flesh. Right? You might have had a voice saying inside of you, don't do it. Don't go there, right? God was trying to warn us, but our flesh was overdeveloped. Our spirit was underdeveloped. And when we have an underdeveloped spirit, we can't hear the voice of God clearly. Right? Okay, Romans 8. This is about life in the spirit. (laughs) You know, Galatians says, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the desires of the flesh. How many know you can walk in the spirit? spirit? The spirit is a realm where you can walk in and live in. What does that mean? You're just listening to the Holy Spirit. You get up, you, you got up today and you say, hey, Holy Spirit. And he'll say, hey, Doug, how you doing? What you got for me today? Oh, I got this, this, and this. Amen. Sometimes you just got to take a moment and listen to what he's saying to us. All right. Romans 8, 5. I'm just going to give you the highlights. I'm not going to read the scriptures. A fleshly person sets their mind on the flesh and they seek to gratify their bodies. Okay? But a spiritual-minded person sets their mind on spiritual things, God's will, God's purpose, and how they can please the Lord. Guess what? You can set your mind to whatever. You, you control the settings of your mind. It's like a thermostat. How many has a thermostat in their home? Do you set it to a certain temperature? Do you have to always go back and change it? No, unless it gets too hot or too warm. But usually you set it, it takes care of itself, right? We just got to set our minds on the right thing. Verse 6, a fleshly mind, a carnal mind is death because it pursues sin. A spiritual mind is what? Life and what? And peace, because it pursues a relationship with God. What are you pursuing? Who are you pursuing? Amen? If we want to learn how to flow with the Spirit of God, we're going to have to spend time in the Word and spend time with God. That's just a fact. Right? All right, verse 7. The carnal mind or fleshly mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, and it cannot. When God says something, the carnal mind says no. It's like the guy who bought a little kid. He went into McDonald's, and he bought the kid some French fries. And here was this little kid with this big box of French fries. He got them the biggest size, right? And this kid was enjoying French fries, man. He was putting some ketchup on them. He was enjoying them, had a big smile on his face. Then the guy who bought the French fries, he said, can I have a little French fry? And the little kid said, no. They're my fries. 
And the guy said, well, I bought the cotton-picking french fries. But that's how we do with God. When you are kindly minded, we, we don't submit to God. God tells us to do something. No, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to do that. God tells us to go somewhere. I'm not going to do that. God tells us to give something. I'm not going to do that. Why? We can't submit to God when we have a carnal mind. A carnal mind can't please God. Well, how, guess what? How many of you want to please God? Amen? But, verse 9 a spiritual mind lives in the spirit and allows the Holy Spirit to lead God and direct them. Amen? It, when the Holy Spirit's in you, you are a child of God. How many have the Holy Spirit in them? Amen? Glory to God. All right, that's enough of that. Let's go on. Uh, go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Oh, Hallelujah. Are you doing good? Need to stand up and stretch a little bit? Why? We're a free atmosphere here. You know why I tell people to give anytime during their service? I actually mean that. It it doesn't bother me at all. If you're sitting here and God says, you need to give this, go ahead and put it in. It doesn't bother me at all. Amen? I I get excited. Why? Because you're listening to the Holy Ghost. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. All right, verse 4. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Lord, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Do you think the Holy Spirit will help you do that? He'll help you love God with your strength, with your mind, and with your spirit, from your heart. All right? Now, um, Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I have to say this uh, as a warning, all right? Um, people who, who don't worship in spirit and in truth, then they're worshiping some other way. They're worshiping in the natural, and that's idolatry. You know, what happens is if we're not worshiping in spirit and in truth, we're worshiping in our own strength. In our own way. Because if we're not worshiping in the spirit, then who's leading us? Right? Then it's false worship. You know, Jesus said, uh, their lips are for me, but their heart is far from me. That's false worship. When, you're, when your mouth and your heart aren't agree, you can't even be in faith. So if you can't, if you can't worship in faith, then you're not doing the correct worship. Amen? 2 Timothy 3, 5, it says this, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, what? Celebrate them? What does it say? Is that the B-I-B-L-E? Turn away from them? People who have a form of godliness, but don't want the Holy Spirit? I just want to worship God in my own way. I don't need the Holy Spirit. Get away from that person. <laughs> Amen? Let me tell you this in some, in some different translations. All right? The New Living Translation says they will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. The Aramaic Bible in plain English says who have a form of God worship, 
and are far from his power. The contemporary English version, even though they will make a, a, a show of being religious, their religion won't be real. Let me, the God's word translation, they will appear to have a godly life, but they will not let its power change them. How many know that God's in the change? When he saves us, he doesn't want to live a life of sin. Amen? He paid a high price to get us out of that. And we got to stop that junk. The Net Bible says they will maintain an outward appearance of religion, but will have repudiated its power. And then finally, the Weymouth translation says, and will keep up a make-believe of piety, yet live in defiance of its power. Whew. And uh, we're supposed to do what to those people? Sha-na-na-na. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> right? What if it's a family member? Pray for them. Because <laughs> you can't leave your family. I mean, you could, but <laughs> you need a bit <laughs> Uh, I need a better reason for that. (laughs) All right? Listen, God knows when we're putting on a show. When we're just going through the motions. You know, you know the words of the song, but you got bitterness and anger in your heart. You know, we're singing, I love you, Lord. And you're like, I hate that person. That's false worship. You're not worshiping in spirit and in truth. You're just going through the motions. And God knows. Because you can't fool, you might be able to fool us, but you can't fool God. He knows what's, He knows what you're thinking. He knows your motives. Right? What do we need to do? Just be real. You ever read the Psalms? Those writers were real. God, I was ticked off, right? But thank God I put my trust in you. (laughs) I mean, the psalmist, they wrote their emotions in there, right? They didn't hold back. They were real. God knows it. It's not a surprise to God that you're angry or ticked off. Just tell God, own up to it. It'll go better for you. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. All right. Mm. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and then I'm going to close. <sighs> Lord, help me. Did you know that uh, your spirit is the candle of the Lord, and it shines on the inward parts of you? Your spirit. That's the, that's the pilot light. And when you came to Jesus, he, he lit it up. It's the candle of the Lord, and he shines on the inward parts. All right? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and uh, starting with verse uh, 6, and then I'm going to close after this. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the, of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. You know, when you speak, there's a difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. 
And we have the spirit of wisdom, right? And so he speaks in a certain way, okay? He, um, he, we don't speak the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming nothing, but we speak the wisdom of what? I want you to see that the wisdom of God is different than the wisdom of the world, okay? And we can, we can speak a language that the world doesn't really understand, right? We speak of the wisdom of God, okay? In a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the, uh, the ages for our glory. We got hidden wisdom that we can speak of. All right? The, the, the world hasn't uncovered it, but it's hidden to them, but they could know it if they want to. How do you get to know that wisdom, that hidden wisdom? Come to Jesus. All right? Have a relationship with God. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for if they had known, they would not have crucified our Lord of glory. <laughs> if Satan would have known how Jesus was going to rise from the dead, Oh, he would not have crucified Jesus. But he didn't know why. It was hidden to him. But God communicated that hidden wisdom to the people who believed in him, to his disciples. And then the enemy found out on the third day. (laughs) When he woke up with a headache. (laughs) Amen. Okay. Verse 7. Or no, uh, verse 9. But it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Say, God's got some things prepared for me. Well, how are you going to find out what God has prepared for you? Are you going to go to a seminar? Are you going to go to a conference? Or can you just go to the Holy Spirit? But God, verse 10, has revealed them to us through his spirit. Now, some of you may have T-Mobile. Some of you may have AT&T. Some of you have another network. That network allows you to exchange information and communication, right? Whatever your cellular provider is, that's who allows you to get on the network, to get information, and to communicate through audio and video, right? Guess what? As a believer, we have a spiritual network. Woo! Glory to God. Don't even need a device. Why? Because we got a heart. We got a heart of faith. Amen? And the Holy Spirit, He communicates to us through the spiritual network. The Holy Spirit reveals the things, right? He searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. He is God's researcher. The Holy Spirit, He's, oh yes, this is yours, this is yours. I've discovered this, this, and this, and this for you. Oh, why? He searches the deep things of God. All right. Verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Right? Your spirit, that's the real you. It knows more about you than anybody else. Right? Because that's the real you. Right? Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. There is a spirit of the world, but guess what? We haven't received the spirit of the world. Aren't you glad for that? I haven't received the spirit of the world, but I have the spirit who is from God. We have God's spirit in us. Why did he give us his spirit? That we might know the things 
that have been freely given to us by God. How many like free things? God's given you some free things. And in order for us to know what's been freely given to us by God, it's the Holy Spirit who shows us. It's the Holy Spirit who tells us. He is the first show and tell. I remember when I was a young boy in school, we would have days where we would have show and tell. We would bring something from home or whatever it was, and we would show the class, and we would tell about it. But the Holy Spirit, he's the original show and tell. He goes into God's kingdom. He goes into God's book, and he tells you. He said, this has been given to you. This has been freely given to you. You can have, and whatever he shows you, you can take possession of. You can have. You can do. Because that's what, we, we can't do it until it's revealed to us. Because until until it's revealed to us, we don't know what exists. But once it's revealed to us, the secrets belong to God, but the things that are revealed belong to us. All right? It gets better. Verse 13. These things we also speak as a spiritual being. You have a spiritual language. What's our language? What language does the Holy Spirit speak the word? Amen? He, he speaks every, every, every language on the planet, but he speaks the language of the word. If you want to know how to hear his voice, read the word. And as you read the word, his voice will become more and more clear. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual to spiritual. Oh my goodness. It's spirit to spirit communication. He speaks to us by impartation, by inspiration and revelation. An impartation, boom, this is yours. You get a suddenly something, something's given to you by God. An inspiration, he gives you a thought or idea in the moment that you never had before. Men were inspired to write the Bible and he gives you a revelation. He pulls back the curtain and he shows you something that was hidden behind curtain number one and curtain number two and curtain number three. Let's make a deal. Right? Okay. Let me finish this verse and then we're done. Verse 14. This is important. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. So if we are ruled by our senses, our feelings, if we wear our emotions on our sleeve. Do you know that 1 Corinthians tells us not to wear our emotions on our sleeve? I don't have time to go there. That's another. another. <sighs> if we're if we're so bound by the natural, we're going to miss what the Spirit of God is saying. You got to be spiritually minded. You got to think on the same things. Wait, wait, wait. The end of the end of this chapter, you're going to shout. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Has God ever told you to do something that sounded foolish? Could you imagine if you were blind and God says, I'm going to spit in your eye? How would you feel about that? You say, that's foolish. Right? But guess what? Jesus did that to a blind man. And what happened? He got healed. God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That means you got to be in tune. You got to be on the spirit's channel. How many grew up watching Batman the television show? 
right? This same bat channel at this same bat time. Stay tuned to see if our Cape Crusader will make it out alive. Right? That was from the 60s and 70s. I watched it as a kid. I must have watched it too much because I still remember it. That's, whoo. Okay, listen. The things of the Spirit are spiritually discerned. You got to be in tune with the Spirit. You got to be on the Spirit's channel. You got to be on His wavelength. Amen? You, you, you got to be. Uh, and then verse 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. <sighs> When you're spiritual, why? You're always going to look to the Word to see if it's true. You're always going to verify what you hear and what you see with the Word. This is our filter. What we see and hear in this life, if it doesn't agree with this, it's not of God. This is the standard for our faith right here. Why did God give us a book so it could be a standard? The enemy comes against you. He raises a standard against him. The enemy comes in like a flood. He raises a standard. Oh, hallelujah. Now, this last verse. Oh, my goodness. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That tells me the mind of Christ is the Holy Spirit because we can have him. Jesus had him and we have him. And we can know we have the mind of Christ because we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit thinks in line with the Word. He, he speaks in line with the Word. He magnifies Jesus. So we say, I have the mind of Christ. Why do you have the mind of Christ? So you can think Christ's thoughts. So you can speak Christ's words. So you can behave like Christ. So you can walk like Christ. So you can pray like Christ. So you can fight like Christ. So you can be blessed like Christ. So you can win like Christ. So you can overcome like Christ. We have the mind of Christ. And I don't have time to go there, but in the Philippians, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Say, I have the mind of Christ. That means you're miracle minded. That means you're ready to move at the drop of the Holy Spirit word. That means you're ready to go. Whatever he speaks. Yes. Your answer is yes. Even before he finishes his sentence. Say, I have. The mind of Christ. See, I have the mind of Christ. Some of you wondered, how am I going to hear God? You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's written in the Bible. That's written for eternity. That is an established truth that will never change for a believer. Because an unbeliever, they're a natural-minded person. But a believer is a spiritual-minded person. Amen. Hallelujah. See, I have the mind of Christ. He leads me to victory. He leads me to blessing. He leads me to wealth. He leads me to peaceful waters. He leads me to health. He leads me to my soul prospering. Woo! Hallelujah! God wants you healed as much as he wants... He he wants you healed and prospering as you prosper in your soul. And we can prosper in our soul when we have the mind of Christ. Do you have something that you need God to do for you right now in your body, in your life, in your family, in your finances? If you have a need, he'll meet, 
your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Well, I don't have a need, but I have some wants. I am the good shepherd you shall not want. Why? Because he's so good. I don't care if you have a need, a want, or a desire. You delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Do you, do, do you desire something in your life today? In your body, in your family, in your finances? Is there anybody here? Then come up right now. Why? We have the mind of Christ. We're going to do an spiritual exchange here. And because you have